and I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake home. And today we are going to be covering the 10th episode of Season 3 of Supernatural titled Dream a Little Dream of Me. Jamie, what did you think? Did I call it or did I call it? Uh, you absolutely called it. There was hey. no, there was not a, not a bit of lie in your, <laughs> in your prediction for, for this episode. It, yeah, you, you nailed it. Okay, moving on to the next logical place. Bella. 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 Yes, we, we love Bella. We're here for Bella. Tell me all your thoughts on Bella. She got the call. She fucking stole the call. I know. Okay, so, but while we're here. I want to question something logistically. I love when you do that. Yes. What is it? Okay. She steals the cult, right? Yes. Why is there only one cult? Like, why? I'm sorry, but you were the dude who made the cult. Yeah. You worked out there's a formula to be able to make a gun that kills everything. What? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why the fuck are you not mass producing that shit? And, like, gun control, yes. I do not support <laughs> massive guns. But. Okay. So the cult was... We do find out about this, oh god, I want to say in season six, I think? Season five or six? They, they, basically, the guy who created the original cult, he was, he's not like a modern man, like the cult is centuries old. Oh yeah, no, I know that. So like mass production is not Not. really on the cards. But, (laughs) based on what we found out about this dude, I'm going to assume he has some ties to the hunting community. Yes, but also I feel like what we would consider like ties with the hunting community is very different to what ties with the hunting community would be 300 years back. Surely he had like half a dozen hunter friends that he could have made goddamn guns for so there was more than one surviving fucking gun. I mean, I guess, but like just talking about logistics. like And why didn't he leave any instructions on how to make these fucking things? Okay, see, that is, I think, a better question because in terms of actually like getting the materials, making the material, like, and, and distributing, I think would have been very difficult. Because remember, everyone would have been communicating by, like, letters, which is just ridiculous. You know, like, I mean, un- unless they're harnessing some supernatural form of telecommunication, which I guess they could. Demon maybe they've got, cups. I was just going to say, maybe they've got their own little demon blood cups. Maybe that's how they're doing it. But yeah, I feel like the distribution of information, but also supplies materials, I feel like it... it it becomes so much harder as soon as you step back from a place where we have, like, next day delivery. <laughs> Look, my point remains the same. Surely... They should have made more than one. Yeah. Surely yeah. if he could make one, he could have made more than one. Or at least left instructions on how he bloody made it and, like, passed it down to the younger generations. I guess... Surely he had some children he wanted to emotionally scar. <laughs> Seems to be a trend in the hunting community. Exactly. So, with having multiples of the cult i did just think of another reason why it might be strategically better to have just the one and that is because of another silly decision which was to make the cult the key to the devil's gate uh yeah you yes. wouldn't want like a hundred of those around but that can be fixed by just not, not making having the cult, the cult the key. the key yeah so look plot 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 convenience convenient convenience you are watching supernatural i think is the answer to that but yes so bella stole the cult dean is rightfully pissed about it do you have any thoughts about bella and the cult or do you just want to bring it up because it was just very cool of her to do it was very cool of her to do (laughs) it was and i'm assuming it will have some sort of plot significance later on well either the person bella sells it to will not be a great person yeah or it will be an issue because the boys don't have the cult and they need to kill something that requires the cult to kill. Okay, cool. Also, I think it's just, if they still had the cult, they have that overpowered weapon that it's like, well, with any monster, why don't you just fucking shoot it? Yeah. yeah. Like, it makes their lives more difficult, so it makes the story more yeah. interesting. And it's like, originally when they introduced the cult, even though it was like insanely overpowered, you at least had the limitation of only so many bullets. Now Bobby's worked out how to make them. Yeah, now Ruby Ruby. helped Bobby to, like, fix that problem. It's like, okay, that's all well and good, but yeah, now, like, now what? Because you don't have any other way to limit it without them just not having it. So, yes, for, like, a narrative plot reason, that is probably the the point of of Bella stealing the cult. Uh, I do love that she did it, because... What a, what a babe. She just keeps getting one over on these boys. They're not. They're not very smart. They're, like, <laughs> kind of suspicious. And then she is, like, she admits one embarrassing truth of, like, she made a mistake once and Bobby saved her. Mm, mm-hmm. And then 
they just like believe it because they're like, oh, no one would ever admit to making a mistake. Thanks, John. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess, I don't think we've ever said thanks, John, for anything. So, I mean, I understand it was ironic and sarcastic, but still, I do think that there is something to be said for, I don't think either of the boys would ever consider that someone would lie about someone having saved their life, I guess. Like, that's something that they would honour as, like, mm. genuinely, like, you know. But also it's Bella. Yeah. Oh, I know. What, like, I know. what like, code of morality has she ever abided by? No. Like, she has her own very self-specific moral code. Moving, actually, before we move on from Bella, I do have a couple of quick points that I want to bring up. First of all, when they realise they have to call Bella and Dean's sentence goes, crap. And the Sam's like, what? And he's like, Bella. And Sam's like, Bella? Crap. I just, I love that. <laughs> they were in sync. Like, they knew. Yeah, I just, I love it. It's like, crap, Bella. Bella? Crap. It's just, it's beautiful. Mwah. Loved it. It was excellent. I also want to talk about Sam's sex dream. Weird. Weird, but I think I have background knowledge on this. Ooh. Okay. So do you remember in Hollywood Babylon, I was saying that all of the complaints that they used in that episode were complaints that the actual show had received from Hiram. Like the lighting and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, how can the ghost hear the chanting? Yes, exactly. So... Again, this is one of those things that I'm pretty sure I heard or read about like years ago. So if I'm wrong, if you know better, please correct me. If you have the source that I'm thinking of, please let me know because I would not be able to find it for my life. I have a feeling that at some point there was a complaint from somewhere in the network that there was not enough sex in the show. Because there's not really any. Like, I think we've had, what, two sex scenes? That's one of the things I like about it. Yeah, this is not a complaint that I have. <laughs> this was a complaint that they were brought... There is no, like, love interest. There is not enough sex scenes, right? Mm. That was a complaint. And they wrote in a sex scene. But the thing that I really like about it that they did is that the sex scene is not about Sam at all because he's giving her head. And I love that for a couple of reasons. One, because you don't see it very much. Yeah. There are very, very few sex scenes in general media where it is about the woman's pleasure only and it's specifically about like a man orally pleasuring a woman it's very rare that you see it and i kind of love that in of all places it was in the cw supernatural and also they show sam very much enjoying that Mm. and like that's another thing you don't see very much so i appreciate so i just i just wanted to put that out there also it just like I don't know what they do later down the track with, like, Sam's love interest. Mm-hmm. But up to this point, like, every person he's been attracted to, from what I can tell, yeah. is, like, more powerful than him. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know too much about Jess. Mm, but, no, like, none of us really do. She seemed like she had her entire life together. Like, I know there's a joke a lot on um, Twitter and Tumblr, etc., in the fandom spaces, where it's, like, Dean's a bottom. Yeah. Mainly because of Misha Collins' insistence that <laughs> he's a bottom. But not Misha Collins is a bottom, but his insistence that Dean is a bottom. We're uh, all about the implications but, of this uh, one. Seems like Sam's a bit of a bottom as well. I Here's the thing. Thinking forward about not just people who are written to have a romantic entanglement with Sam, but also people that he is shipped with. It yeah. does follow that pattern. It's very much like the capable and like could kick his ass. Towards the end of the show, there was a character that he was like, he was written in a way that you would assume he was supposed to end up with, not Blurry Wife, was exactly that. She was so strong and so competent and such a fulfilling, like, she was a complete person mm. outside of the relationship she had with Sam. She could kick his ass. Like, it was. That's that's exactly the dynamic that he looks for in a in a romantic like. So it kind of makes sense that he would attach on to Bella. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and like. Or do I'm you think it's like the opposite way around? Of they sort of vaguely had like his type, and then they were like, "Oh, we need more sex. Let's just pair him off with Bella." Sam Sam has a tendency to pair up with aggressive women, and I don't mean yeah. that in a bad way. No, I mean that like assertive, dominant. Yes. Not, like, I feel like the word aggressive has, like, negative connotation. Yeah. But, yeah, dominant is a great word. Meg! 
Meg. We missed Meg. Oh my god, how, how did we miss Meg? Meg? Right, okay. And there are some characters that I'm thinking of that I'm sure people listening might be thinking of as well who fall into this category. Whether or not they were a good match for Sam, I yeah. do think that pretty much every woman he is ever rom- romantically interested in does actually kind of fall into that category. Like, he seems I like a think of, I can't think of one that would not fit that category yeah. of like very, yeah, very confident in of themselves as well. Yeah. And very sure of themselves and what they want and like their abilities and capabilities and maybe Madison being the the least yeah. only because her character was not appropriately yeah. fleshed out and then also the preacher's daughter in yeah. Hookman. But even then, she was controlling a spirit that was murdering people. So True, but it was unintentional. <laughs> so I don't know if that I don't know if that counts. Although a lot of that episode focused on the difficulty she was having becoming independent and like taking control of her life outside of under her dad's thumb. Mm. So I guess that does kind of fit. Like she was in that development stage, but surely like if we had followed that along, she would have ended up in that position. So yeah, I guess Sam's type is like assertive, confident, dominant women. (laughs) Basically it boils down to, we love Bella. Sam has very specific tastes in women and I appreciate that we got to see Sam giving Bella head. I just think that that is a vibe. <laughs> okay, moving on from moving there. on from, from that. Oh, I do want to talk about the moment immediately after Dean wakes him up from the dream. Oh, where he's awkwardly trying to hide his boner. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> he's so awkward for the entire scene. And Dean's after. like, Bella's here, and he's like, oh fuck, Bella. And, but he's like, yeah. What are you dreaming of? Like, Yeah, he's so fucking awkward. It's hilarious. And then Bella comes in and he's like, Hi, Bella, what's up? <laughs> like, and when she leaves, he's like, It was nice seeing you. Like, oh, God. Oh, precious little bean. I do want to question, though. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets that tea, right? Bella gets the tea for the boys. So yes. Dream. I want to question, why is dreaming so fucking important? Because, like, they talk to the dude who's actually the evil dude, and he's like, mm. it was terrible, I couldn't dream. Like, I've never, I, I have a dream, like, once a month. I dream a lot. Just because you're not dreaming doesn't mean you're not sleeping. Like, I've always dreamt, and I've always dreamt a lot, and so I don't really know what it would be like to sleep and not dream. Like, obviously, I have had nights where I haven't dreamt, and it hasn't affected my quality of sleep. If anything, nights where I dream a lot, it affects my quality of sleep. But, like, they sort of frame it as, like, oh, well, he's doing studies to see if we can get these people to dream again. It's like... I think for this particular guy, it was more of a power trip than anything else. Like, I think he sort of, like, blanketed it under the excuse of, like, oh, because it's, like, my sob story of, like, I can't dream. No, but I'm talking about the professor. Like, the doctor. Like, oh, why is it so important to him that people dream? Well, okay, so here's the thing. Dream psychology, I think, is very fascinating. So I understand why he would be interested in it. And I do understand, I don't think the point of the study was because of the importance of dreaming in like daily life, right? The study, I guess they never specifically confirm what it's about, but I would assume it would be to do with seeing if you could induce dreaming in people who don't typically. So it's not about necessarily the importance of him having dreams. That's what was important to the guy who was killing everybody was that he wanted to keep dreaming but that's not necessarily what the professor was interested in he may have just been interested in can these people dream again but to what purpose oh just from like a a, an interest in neurophysiology i would assume the reason that jeremy couldn't dream was because of a head trauma so i like from a neuropsychology neurophysiology standpoint i think it would be incredibly fascinating to see if you could induce dreaming in someone who hasn't dreamed in 15 years dreamt rather in 15 years but also if it's part of cognitive head trauma the solution is not a herbal tea that means you can murder people in their sleep well i mean it wasn't supposed to be for sleep murdering like i don't think that's the intended that's not the intended purpose like technically you can use it to do that I could drink a litre of sunscreen, but that's not why you're supposed to buy it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <I do. laughs> But the whole purpose of this tea is for dreamwalking. Well, yeah, or like lucid dreaming. But like, I guess if you're trying to see like what could induce dreaming, like something like that would be something that you would look into and you wouldn't know the side effects. That's why it was like the top secret research that no one knew about. 
you know? Because, like, his assistant is saying that she she didn't even know about the research. The university didn't know about the research. Probably because it was not very ethical. Anyway, I think it's interesting. I don't have any problem with that particular part of the episode. I think it makes sense. I think it would be cool to investigate that kind of thing. I had an issue with this episode that I am so baffled by. And I wonder, mm. I assume you've picked up on this as well. When they are looking through uh, the research and Sam's like, oh, you remember that like plant or whatever that we didn't know the name mm. of? Turns out it's also known as African Dreamery and he's explaining. And Dean says, what, so they whip out the didgeridoos? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so Did you confuse your continents that begin with the letter A? Didgeridoos aren't from fucking Africa. Maybe you should try Antarctica next. Oh my god. I was like, okay, this is, like, surely it's common. Like, I recognise that we grew up in Australia. Didgeridoos are, like... Common knowledge that they're Australian? Like, surely, that'd be like saying a kangaroo is from Africa. Like, surely this is an iconic enough specific instrument that it's, like, known outside of the country pretty easily and like i was like how hard would it be to find this out i googled didgeridoo the first thing that comes up is the wikipedia the first paragraph of the wikipedia explains that they were created in the like northern part of australia by the indigenous peoples who lived in that area and i was like how fucking hard was that it was like sentence two of wikipedia anyway it pissed me off because... Law Boy at Stanford doesn't have Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia but... is not a reputable source for university. I just... I, but Dean made the comment too. And I was like, boy, you are all about your fucking pop culture references and shit. You should... Like, this is common. Surely it's common knowledge. Am I insane? That I'd be like thinking pretzels come from Italy. I just don't know how to say you fuck up that bad. Actually, the comment in general was inappropriate. But then they got their inappropriate comment fucking wrong. And it's like, hmm, deep sigh. Big yikes. <laughs> You're watching Supernatural. Uh, I, feel, I feel like we have to move into the character analysis at some point. I've been trying to put it off. <laughs> I was like, maybe we can get through this episode without doing too much character analysis. Okay, well, which character... Sorry, you thought you could get through this episode without doing too much character analysis? This entire episode I is just I figured I'd just say, analysis. like, a question and you'd jump into it and I wouldn't have to say anything. <laughs> Which character would you like to analyse first? We've got a few to choose from. Um, well, I think, look, the one that I have an actual thought about that's an actual genuine question. Okay. That I'm like, I whip out Psychic Jamie a lot. Mm. And I'm kind of... I would th- think, look, I don't think they're going to do it, but I think it'd be really fucking funny if they did. Mm-hmm. And that's in the little speech where Dean's basically monologuing to himself about how he's a disappointment and nothing is actually his. And it's like, they list off like his jacket, his music, his car. I think it'd be fucking hilarious if like, you know, the car was from Bobby. The jacket <laughs> was from past the gym. You know, he actually got his mum's old TDs that were passed down. Like, all of these things that he, they're like, oh, you got it from your father. Mm. None of them were f- actually from John. That would be very fun. I think, and I think that would be a really good way of kind of dismantling the idea of John as well. Yeah. And what is what is kind of funny is I will get to talk to you about basically that concept in a lot more detail later. So we get actual origins for everything. Yeah. 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 So that's quite a fun thing that it yeah. will be important information to have later. But no, because, like, one of the things that Annie's like, oh, you're just trying to be John, like, nothing's your own, like, you just... Which, holy shit, this episode, we found a father who was somehow worse than John Winchester. Mm, mm-hmm. And did you notice that he kind of looked like John? Just low-key, yeah. Yeah, low-key, and also... Like, to be fair, I'm also face-blind. Yeah, that's true. You are face-blind. And also Sam weaponized. Mm. the memory of uh, Jeremy's dad against him, which he has also done to Dean a couple of times. Remember when there was that whole thing where it's like, you have to kill me, like, dad said so, and, like, that stuff? Like, it's the Mm. same thing. Different scenario, similar train of thought. And I was like, damn, that is a parallel I wasn't expecting to observe because never occurred to me before, but here we are. Okay, because... We are talking about Dean. Obviously, 
absolutely this episode is super character heavy. Yeah. I think while we're on the topic, let's stay on the topic and we'll get it all done. And then we can maybe <laughs> not come back to it a million fucking times. We'll just do it all in one section. So I have a few notes about basically I have a lot of notes where in brackets I've put at the end. This will be important later. So I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I am going to go through some of those notes with you now. And there are things that we will come back to over the seasons to do with Dean. And I was like, wow, so much of this stuff is in this episode. It's like bizarre to me how many specific phrases will come back and be super important, even in season 15. So. Concern. (laughs) They can't see my face, so I've just got to say my emotions. This one is concern. So the first one that I came across is at the very start of the episode, Dean comes and finds Sam in the bar. I do want to point out, I really liked the music they used for that scene. Like, whatever music they had going in the bar was like a little bop. I quite enjoyed it. And also the lyrics were interesting. The lyrics were, she lost her home and her family and she won't be coming back. Or we could talk about that if we wanted to, but I'm going to breeze right on past it because I feel like there was just so much to talk about this episode that, eh, neither here nor there. So. Any of it, like Sarah Gamble wrote this episode. Yeah. Does any of it fit into the Sarah Gamble long con? (laughs) You know what? Kinda. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. Not in the most overt way. Not like angels are watching over you. There are no quotes about angels watching over you, but some of these quotes are relevant to Cass specifically, actually. Some of them anyway. So we get Drunk Sam part two, is my point. They're in the bar and Sam's drinking at 2pm. He's having whiskey or whatever. And Dean's like, what's the matter with you? And Sam's like, what, you do this all the time? Can't I do it? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, very different Look, type of drunk Sam to the last drunk Sam. I think Jared Pelleter, like, he's an okay... Like, I think his acting's generally pretty good. Yeah. But him acting drunk just does not work. <laughs> Sam makes a point to Dean. He's like, I can't save you. I don't think I'm going to be able to save you because you don't even want to be saved. How can you care so little about yourself? What's wrong with you? And I was like, Sam, sweetie, he has mental illness. Also, we're going, <laughs> we're going back to, was it Houses of the Holy, where mm. we called Sam Desperate like two million times? Yeah. Um, and Crossroad Brothers. Yeah. Another one that was really heavy on this, where we were like, well, Sam just can't comprehend that somebody wouldn't want to be saved. Yes, exactly. But specifically saying that Dean doesn't want to be saved, this will be important later. Steel trap, keep that there. No. I refuse. Okay. Well, I'll bring it up later. I'll be like, hey. I've got hot girl shit to go in the brain. (laughs) Supernatural quotes don't belong there. Supernatural quotes don't belong there. I immediately toss them out. Okay. So that was number one. The next one was a little while later. A lot of these are later on in the episode, which is unsurprising. This is just kind of a fun fact. If I had a nickel for every time we got a scene where Jensen was acting opposite himself, I would have a weird number of nickels. So you have that to look forward to. I'm sure you're very excited about it. The scene where they're in Dean's dream. Yeah. At the very start. And they yeah. come across Lisa. Yeah. And the picnic blanket. And she's got the whole... We've only got an hour before we have to go and pick Ben up. Yeah. Oh, that scene fucking gets me because we've talked about this a million times at this point, but Dean just wants a family. He just wants to be in one place and in a stable home and to be loved and to love And And to belong. And to belong and to have a fucking family. Like, he would love to be, you know, in that. He would, I mean, even look at his family in what is and what should Should never never be. be. His entire family was like, he had a stable job. He had his mum right around the corner. Sam was off successful at Stanford. Yeah. Sam was happy and engaged and all that sort of stuff. Mary was there. John was was dead. John was dead. (laughs) And, like, he had a girlfriend who was stable and he was living with her and, like, they were planning for the future. I, I, like I said, we've talked this point to death. Dean just wants a family and to be loved and to be happy. I don't think Sam has ever really understood up to this point what Dean's dream might be. Yeah. Which is exactly that, to be in a stable, loving family situation with, like, not having to move around all the time. That stability, right? This scene in particular is very formative in Sam's idea of what will make Dean happy and, again, will be important later. So does Sam fucking try to set them up or something? You're going to have to wait and see, but it will be important later. The line 
where Dean tells himself, I know you're dead inside. This will be important later. Addiction is an illness. That is my guess for your PSA, and it is also gonna be important later. Daddy's blunt little instrument. This will be important later. You just have a full ass <laughs> list, don't you? Yeah, I do as half my notes. It's really just all of these things where I was like, yeah, this will be important later. This is actually super relevant in a lot of later interactions, seasons, episodes, character arcs, like, and we will come back to discussions on all of these, I'm sure. I really want to draw back to as well a discussion that we had back in Dead Man's Blood. We talked about how Sam was what John respected. Yeah. But Dean is what he made. Dean is what he thought he wanted, right? Daddy's blunt little instrument. But what he respected was Sam, who wouldn't take orders. I just wanted to bring it up because thinking back on that discussion from Dead Man's Blood about how Dean's what John wanted in a son, like um, obey his orders and do anything he says, no questions, all these things. But Sam is what John respected, who was like, fight back and stand up for himself and, and all those things. And then reflecting on Dean feeling like John just used him, but actually loved Sam. Like, and I thought it was just really interesting because we'd had this discussion way back when, and it's super applicable to when Dean is sort of confronted by his own, it's sort of like um, a visual manifestation of his own negative self-talk. It's a very interesting concept, actually, and I love it. That whole last section of the episode where he's having that, like, interaction, like, with himself fucks me up every time. Like, it's just insane. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls latch onto Dean's trauma and identify it as their own. <laughs> I'm not emotionally invested in your blobo. I just don't understand. How can you get... I don't understand how you can watch a character go through all of this, like, a character who is just so full of love and just wants to love people and be loved himself and keeps being put in these situations where he keeps being manipulated and abused is just has such slow self-worth. I don't know how it can't just hit you right in the feels when we have scenes like this where he stands up for himself and he says, no, my father was a fucking obsessed bastard. It was him who couldn't protect his family. It was him who had all this crap about Sam. That wasn't my fault. He made it my fault, but it's not true. And I don't deserve to die and I don't deserve to go to hell. I don't know how you can see that scene and not go a little insane. Like, how do you do it? I see that and I'm like, I'm like dying a little bit. I just... I, I don't understand how you cannot be emotionally impacted by this. I'm just not invested in your blobo. Yeah, it's sad. Go you, Dean. You're finally starting to realise that, like, your shitty self-image is not because you're a shitty person, but because your dad's an asshole. I feel like Dean's a character where either you're Dean coded or you're not. And, like, if you're Dean coded, great, fantastic, you've got a new blobo. Like, you are not moving on from this one ever. Like, I think Dean's one of the reasons the brainworms hit so hard. Oh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that character is the reason why so much of this fandom is insane. I latched onto him like a baby duckling latches onto its mother. Okay, anyway, you mentioned my PSA. Let's actually do my PSA. So your guess you said was, what, addiction is an illness? Yes. Yes, that's, that's my guess. Was just, not just... my PSA even slightly. Oh, okay. My PSA this week is do not participate in or run unauthorized scientific studies. A, because you can't do proper ethical checks to make sure you're not doing shit like this and getting people addicted to substances. He got addicted to the substance and now he's murdering people in his sleep. Not relevant to everyday life. But like, <laughs> look at the fucking Stanford prison experiment. Like, that was approved and they still thought it was fucking ethical. Like, now we know it's not. Like, there's a reason that universities and other institutions have ethics boards and committees to make sure that when it's, like, human experimentation, shit is relevant. No, that's a good PSA. Sometimes my psych degree just pops out. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about the lighting in this episode. Oh, do you know what? Kind of me too. What do you want to talk about? Specifically, Bobby's dream. Yeah. When Sam goes outside. And it's immediately the brightest and most colourful thing we've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. 
like the color gradient changes every time they go to a different section of Bobby's brain. It's just like this is the co- like this is the colorful place. This is the gray place. This is the dark place. This is the white place. Like it's just they were having fun with the concept. Whereas, did you notice that Dean's dream never changed color? Yeah, it was very dark, consistent the entire time, and they had like three or four different locations within Dean's dream, mm-hmm. and all of them looked just like a regular episode of Supernatural. Which is very interesting. Like, does this mean that it's, like, just the story being told from... Like, the entire show is just the story being told from Dean's perspective? I mean, to an extent, probably, yeah. Don't you say that the lighting gets brighter further down in the seasons? Yeah, it does. Does it shift POV? Like, kind of focus more on other characters versus just, like, Dean? The world certainly expands after Kripke era. Like, Mm. there is a lot more um, overarching plot season by season, I think largely as an audience you are still sort of inclined to see things from Dean's point of view. Although he does... Or maybe he just gets better mental health. Oh, that's certainly not the case. The the opposite, actually. (laughs) The opposite. That poor boy never gets any reprieve. I remember seeing a Tumblr post where people were like, oh, early seasons of Supernatural when they were so happy and carefree. And then it's like, Someone who's just started going, what do you mean when they were happy? They're fucking miserable all the time. It's like, yeah, those were the days. <laughs> like, it just, it goes downhill from here. They're, these boys are never happy. <laughs> like, the brief occasions they are happy, it's always like, well, I say brief. <laughs> yeah. It's always like, oh, they're actually trapped in the gin dream. I, in an off-brand move, yeah, for me, want to talk about special effects makeup. Do you know what I'm about to have a problem with? I want to know what you're about to have a problem with because I'm curious. Wait, do you? Is there anything in the episode special effects makeup wise that you took issue with? I'm interested to see if this is just a me thing. I don't want to say it until you say it because I don't want. Should we say it on three? (laughs) I don't know. That could work out really badly. Well, we'll see how it goes. You ready? I don't know how to say it. I'm just going to say character name and location of special effects makeup. Okay, yeah. Ready? Three, two, one. Bobby's Bobby's cheek. Oh! Bobby. (laughs) They're two different things. Okay. Okay, so we're both talking about the initial dreamscape. You're talking about the three scratches on his cheek. Yeah, the three scratches, which from a distance, they're fine. There's not a problem with them. But when he and Dean are in, I think, what becomes like Bobby's like office area where his desk and stuff normally is and Dean's like tied up the door and he's like explaining to Bobby like it's your dream you can control it whatever there's like a couple of shots that are like tighter on Bobby's face and it literally just looks like three painted lines (laughs) which I understand is what it is but you're not supposed to know that it's supposed to look like there is no depth to these scratches it just looks like three lines on his face and it's not it just it looks like paint like maybe it, it's just because everything in this dream world is an illusion. I mean, maybe. Because when like, he wakes up, he doesn't have any scratches on his cheek. Well, that's because he got scratched in the dream. Exactly. So maybe they purposely didn't do anything that looked... I don't know. I just It doesn't look like he was actually scratched. It looks like she had blood on her fingers and she like tried to scratch his face but didn't and just got the blood there. It's not, and I usually, like, don't give a shit about special effects makeup. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't know. But that in particular, I was like, it's just bad. It's not good. No, I was talking about the special effects makeup on the wife. I just don't understand the placement of it. Is it meant to be, like, where Bobby stabbed her when she was possessed? Yeah, he stabbed her multiple times. See, I couldn't tell them apart. Just looked like one big red patch. Which I guess is what it is. So it's like I look. I was I wasn't mad at the. Oh, her name's Karen, by the way. Bobby's oh. wife. Is Did Karen. we get it in this episode, or is it just? I think we do. If we don't, we do at some point, and it's not exactly a a spoiler. So anyway, Bobby's wife. Do you remember I was telling you about how Bobby specializes in demons? Yeah. And we would find out why. And also the whole thing of like he really prioritizes removing the demon that's possessing them versus just like yeah like doing what sam and dean do quite frequently of just shooting him with the gun mm-hmm. yeah that's why like you wonder how bobby knows there's an innocent girl trapped in there it's because his wife was the innocent girl and he killed her oopsie doopsie oopsie doopsie big, big yikes, yikes. 
Yeah, so this is... The tagline of the podcast. <laughs> the murder of his wife. Obviously in self-defense. Yeah. This was his introduction to the supernatural. So he didn't know anything about it beforehand. And he didn't know what was going on. His wife, essentially, it looked like she'd gone insane and suddenly had black eyes and was just trying to straight up murder him. So, of course, he did what any rational person would do, which is defend themselves. And she ended up dying. And it's horrible. Anyway, it does give some um, background information as to why Bobby is so like learned in terms of demon law specifically like why he has the devil's trap in his house at all times and why he's got all of the protection charms and amulets and why he tests everyone with holy water hidden in normal drinks and stuff and like he's he's had it happen before where someone he loves has been possessed and he's been had to kill them and he doesn't want that ever to happen again so anyway we get some bobby law and it's a bit bobby law just dropped (laughs) exactly oh do you know what i do like though i like that dean is bobby's emergency contact Oh, that is That's very a bit cute. cute. And like Dean has that whole bit where he tells Bobby, like, no, like I'm not letting you die. You're like a father to me. I'm not letting you die. And I'm like, oh, you guys, stop being so cute. Oh, there's a moment in this episode specifically that I have beef with. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. There's a moment when I'm pretty sure it's Sam says to Dean something about like, oh, there are all these legends. When do we ever believe the legends? And Dean says something along the lines of like, oh, yeah, we always believe the legends. It's like, no, bitch, you never do. When is this? I, like, have no recollection of that. It was when... Because I would also have about... beef with that. But I never I didn't write a note down about it. When don't they believe the legends? That must have been the line. Like, when don't we believe the legends? And I was like, always, you never believe the fucking <laughs> legends. It's just after the conversation they have with the guy who's actually evil. It's like this section afterwards and they're talking about dream walking and that and like the legends surrounding it. Yeah, no, you're right. They never fucking believe the legends. That's like an ongoing joke we have about it now. Exactly. (laughs) Like I I was sitting there like, when don't we believe the legends? Like literally every episode, (laughs) every episode you don't believe in it until it's killing you. Like who took the stance of vampires aren't real, they're extinct? Yeah. Who took the stance of angels aren't real, which we know is going to be rectified yeah. awfully soon? Like, who took the stance of, oh, what else did they dismiss as not real? Oh, when Digos, uh, they were surprised by, like, they're excited by the existence of werewolves. Sam says unicorns aren't real, which, uh, yet to be determined. Might be disproven later on. Santa. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of things. Bloody Mary, they dismissed as Bloody not Bloody Mary, you're correct. While we're on the topic of things that we've discussed before, yeah, I want to bring up the fact that, again, something we've discussed before, Bobby is a better fucking hunter than John. Do no you wanna, Do you want to know why I'm bringing this up? I'm assuming it's something to do with the one mistake he made where he shared a beer with the evil dude. <laughs> and then... Which Dean also did, and it's a very funny yeah. interaction where... oh. That's another thing that's going to come up later. Dean taking food and drinks from people that he meets on cases. That is also going to be relevant later. Stop it. No. <laughs> there are just so many in this episode where I was like, oh no, my no, God. No, no, no. I meant like stop it for oh, Dean. Yes, yeah, like, stop, stop taking, taking the food. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, you're The right. whole point of the podcast is that you don't stop. <laughs> it's like two episodes ago. He was going to take the peanut brittle from the murder husband and wife. Like, anyway. The reason I bring up Bobby being a better hunter than John is when Sam and Dean get to the hotel room, or motel room rather, where Bobby's been staying, they're like, where's all his notes? <gasps> they're hidden. They're not tacked to the wall for anybody to see. <laughs> where are all of his, where are all of his clothes? They're hidden. They're in the closet. They're not even just in the closet. They're behind all of his clothes. You have to be actively looking. And I was like, Bobby Singer, respecting housekeepers. Would never, be, would never be John. Could no. never be John. No. And it's like, also, it's so much more tactical. Like, why yeah. the fuck would you have all of your notes just out where anyone can peek through a window and see them when you could just put them inside a cupboard? I mean, we already know they just live in darkness. They probably just don't pull open the blinds. That's true. Speaking of their motel rooms, did you notice the theme of the motel room that they're in? I don't know, I just noticed it was fucking ugly. It was fucking ugly. And that was my first thought. But my next thought was, wow, that's a lot of birds. It's bird-themed. Did you notice the, like, the the really ugly wallpaper? 
It's all birds. And the, like, wooden petition thing. I thought it was just a bad floral pattern because I didn't look at it close enough. No, I was like, wow, that's a lot of birds. And then at the end of the episode, when Sam and Bobby are walking back down the corridor together, right behind them, directly in shot, is a painting of two peacocks, a coloured one and an an albino one. And so I was like, why are there so many birds in this episode? (laughs) This is this has surely got to be relevant, right? So I jumped on Google ahead of time because I'm organized today, and I did some googling. So I googled birds in dreams, just general birds, because yeah. the ones in the motorhome were just birds in general. And according to Dream Moods, which look, oh. I don't know an academic source if I've ever seen one. exactly. Uh, look, if you know of what birds symbolize in dreams, let me know. That'd be great. Maybe hit me up on Twitter or on Tumblr. We'll chat about it, but. Basically, in general, birds can symbol, uh, symbolize goals, aspirations, and hopes, but can also symbolize experiencing spiritual freedom and liberation, which I think is really interesting given Dean's like very cathartic monologue where he's yelling about how actually it was John's problem and not Dean's problem, you know, about everything. Like everything that John put on Dean was actually John's shit, not yeah. his, right? So liberating himself, freeing himself from that burden right and then i was like okay so that's birds what does a peacock mean so apparently peacocks appear in dreams as a good sign and apparently they represent a renewed sense of vitality rebirth new beginnings it's also a sign of a fresh sense of control or purpose over your life and a change in perspective which again i think is super applicable to dean in this episode because at the start of the episode he's like yeah may as well just fucking die and by the end of the episode he's like actually you know what sam i've been thinking I don't, I don't want to die, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to go to hell. And you're like, wow, Dean, stellar reasoning. <laughs> Enlightened. Exactly. But I thought it was interesting that there were so many birds built into the set and into the art. I think in the uh, the words of that one set designer, you're reading too far into this. <laughs> okay, let's talk about John Winchester for a little bit. All right. Specifically in the way that Dean is who John wanted to be, as in a competent hunter and father. Oh, okay. That's a hot take. I love it. Am I wrong? No. I just, I was expecting this to be like, oh, we're going to talk about John and how he was shit. But you were like, let's talk about John and how Dean is what John should have been. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts about it? Or is that like... You just... I didn't think it needed that much elaboration. But... No. I Okay. But like... You know, John's whole thing was like, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my family. Yeah. We've got to, you know, protect Sam at all costs, blah, 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 blah. And then he just proceeded to not do that and protect Sam and all that jazz. Dean did. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely think that you you basically just summed it up very nicely in like one sentence, which is, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, Dean is what John... Bit, like, wanted think, to be and needed to be. I think. And wasn't. John's whole thing about family is very performative. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, he's very much like, you know, you got to protect your family. But Dean's right. He didn't. Everything he did basically put his kids in more danger and isolated them all from any sort of And made it really family. easy to identify just how bad he was as a hunter. Yeah, li- literally. But because Dean was so young and was trying so hard to emulate his dad, he really took on board those values of family before anything and, like, look after each other yeah. and, like... Those All of these values that John had just been sort of spouting off and pretending were his priorities. Yeah, exactly. Dean took them in and became a better version of John than John was. Yeah, exactly. And it helps that Dean also had, like I said before, we haven't got to it yet, but Bobby had much more of an influence yeah. in their childhoods than we know at this point in the series. And so Dean also had Bobby as another father figure yeah. to look up to. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like It's Dean not is... that Dean is trying to be John, it's John's trying to be Dean, but he's a shitty watered down version of it. Do you think that's why John doesn't like Dean as much as he likes Sam? Because he sees all of his failures reflected in how Dean actually does all the shit that he should be doing. Yeah, like he looks at Dean and he feels guilty because he can see that his son is able to achieve it where he never could. And also he is like nicer to Sam because he looks at Sam and can see himself. Like he he looks at Dean and is like, shit, that's that's what I wanted, but I like I can't achieve it. Like and is like jealous almost of Dean, but like looks at Sam and is like, I can relate to that because 
dude. <laughs> okay, that's me done for character analysis. <laughs> Retire for another season. I love that. I really love that. That's a very cool thought. It's, I mean, look, it's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Objectively tragic. Objectively horrible. <laughs> but, but, but a very interesting thought. Because at the end of the day, like, Dean is just, he's performing the patriarchal father role of the family because John couldn't. I mean, we've talked about it, and it's super relevant to this episode. It's been super relevant this entire series. I think the he, re- Dean is who John would be if all of his macho posturing was actually genuine. If all of his fucking, it's about family, it's about looking after, uh, and it's about saving people, it's about hunting things, it's about, you yeah. know, doing what's right. If any of that meant jack shit all to John, yeah, he would be who Dean is. I agree with you. There are some... It's really frustrating trying to talk about this without being spoilery. Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. There are some... We get to learn a bit more about John and Mary pre-Demon coming up in the next few seasons. And I am going to come back to this Mm -hmm. because there are some interesting observations and points to be made regarding John and Mary and Sam and Dean. Well, I know there's the whole, like, parallels thing of, like, Sam mirrors John and Dean mirrors Mary. Yeah. I know that's a thing. I think Um, I've brought it up with you before, even. But I think it's really interesting because also through that lens, it's sort of like if Dean is mirroring Mary and fulfilling that parental role in the family sort of dynamic. Yeah. That would just feel like even more of a failure for John. Like, for John to look at Dean... I think that's another thing that's like, again, it's really difficult to talk about without spoiling, but I do think that that's another thing where like, for John, like, he looks at Dean and sees Mary and that's just so much more painful for him to deal with. Like, because obviously he misses Mary and he's never going to be able to get her back. And so for Dean to remind him so much of Mary is painful. Whereas Sam, Sam was a complete blank slate. Sam couldn't be like Mary. Sam couldn't mirror any of Mary's, like, traits or characteristics or anything because he was too young to really be starting to mirror. Whereas Dean already obviously had some of Mary's traits because that's what happens. Like, kids between the ages of, like, 2 and 10, that's when they pick up their personality. That's when they work out who they're going to be and it's based on basically who they copy. Yeah, How they see the people around them interacting. And actually that... That discussion about struggling to connect or handle your child because of the loss of their parent is actually something that's going to become relevant again later down the track. And it'll be a very interesting conversation in coexistence with this. Anyway. Moving on before we <laughs> go on into because I can't. It's so hard to talk about without being but. But we're nearly there. We're but did only you a couple least, seasons away. Did you at least enjoy my thought? I love your thought. I think it's great. Okay, look, sorry. Sidetracking here. That's okay. Okay? Let's sidetrack for a bit. Yeah. I just had an idea. Do you think that the two brothers could literally just make a different demon deal? Like, one year <laughs> it's Sam's turn and he makes the deal. He's got one year to leave. And then when Dean died, and then when, like, when Sam dies, yeah. Dean makes a new deal to save <laughs> Sam. So they just like Sam ping pong back and Yeah. Well, they've just, you've just unlocked the secret to immortality, <laughs> Just every time they die, just trade like, oh, well, he got a hit. Now it's time to like. I love that. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't think they can effectively It's my turn to be condemned to hell. Yeah. I guess the problem with that is you can only really sell your soul once. Like, you can't. It's not like you've put it on loan. Like, it's not on lay-by. Like, <laughs> you sold it. It's gone. Uh, well, not really. But it's effectively sold. It's like, well, as soon as you die, it belongs to someone else. Oh, does that mean that? Okay. So, within this premise, like, Dean dies. Yeah. Sam sells his soul. Because Dean died because he told his... So yeah. Sam sells his soul to save Dean. Wow. Try saying that five times faster. <laughs> Does that mean when Dean is resurrected, because his soul is already owned by hell, that, like, would he get his soul back as well? Or do they, would they still just keep it? So, like, would Dean get resurrected without his soul? Yeah. Well, considering that, like... Because, like, the whole reason they 
die, as far as I can tell, is because they've sold their soul. And essentially, collection date is yeah. whatever date they decide, whether that's one, two, three, four, five, ten, ten years from now. When that collection date comes, they die because they send the hell hands and they collect the soul. Yeah. Right? And in doing so, kill the person. And in doing so, the person dies. Yeah. Does that mean that theoretically, if you were to resurrect somebody yeah. who had sold their soul... Yeah. Or had ended up in hell. Or had ended up in hell, would they be able to get their soul back after it's already been collected by the demon? <laughs> I I mean, I, I can't elaborate on any of this. <laughs> that can be your working theory. I, I, there is no way for me to answer this without entering territories that I can't. They're too close to being spoilers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all I can really, like, I can't even really do that, actually. <laughs> so, I look, that's a very interesting thought experiment, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> look, we'll just send a message to KJ and Abigail and be like, yo, can either of you explain this to me without spoilers? <laughs> I'd be impressed if they could. I'd be really impressed if they could. New challenge. Explain to me the implications of being resurrected by a demon deal after you'd already died from a demon deal. Okay. Quickly, to move on from this, because I cannot talk about it. But it's fun. You raised a point last episode. Okay. About I raised a lot of points. You can have to be more Sam and and the blood. And, like, if Sam sucked up blood like it was a boost juice... Yeah, he become well, like Super little, Sam. Little bit of demon blood, little bit of powers. Big bit of demon blood, big bit of power. That's your like concept, I guess. Yeah, I have a question for you because we talked a little bit. It's about my that. pitch for a new line of demon blood mi- milkshakes. <laughs> Ew. Ew. It got me to thinking, right? Because we talked about how Sam is totally the character who would donate blood. Yeah, and like you know, how did that work and all these things? I have a question. So when Sam and Does Dean, it work like vampirism? <laughs> and they have to like to maintain the powers, they have to like consume a certain amount of demon blood per year. <laughs> That's what the streaker was actually doing. It was running an errand for a mate. Oh. <laughs> okay. I giving him these like five yearly top up of demon blood. I have a question. Yeah. So you know how Sam and Dean are very stab happy with Ruby's knife and oh, they just super stab and go. Yeah. Stab and go. Say Sam and Dean go to someone's house and they stab them because they're possessed, right? Not just for funsies, although I guess wouldn't put it past them at this rate. So, stab someone who is possessed, demon dies, so does the person. Person's bleeding out. Now, we talked about how long would the demon influence remain in the blood, right? Yeah. Because the whole thing is like, while the demon's in the body, the the blood is contaminated. (gasps) Demon organ donation! Demon organ donation, for one. (laughs) But two... What if they had a cat? Demonic cat. Well, because you know how cats are known for, like, if their owner dies, they eat them? Oops. So, would a cat, say say their owner was possessed, Sam and Dean went stabby stabby, the owner dies, the demon's dead, Instead but of they're like bleeding. Devil the cat, exorcism. If the cat licks the blood, does the cat get telekinesis? <laughs> It's <laughs> my question. I don't know. <laughs> Look, but you refuse to answer my logistics question. I refuse <laughs> to answer your logistics question. Okay, well then I had canon that the cat would get telekinesis and also the psychic ability to predict when people are going to fucking die. That's so it's just the normal cat. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. Cats are demons. I guess is the moral of the story. <laughs> All cats are demons? Well, you know how they say, like, demons are more vulnerable when they're outside of, like, a vessel? Yeah. Maybe when they can't find a vessel with a significant, like, chink in the armour, they just possess cats. That would explain when cats go psycho and they just run or they stare at things that no one can see. Sometimes my dog does that and it's freaky. Demons. Now every time Arlo stares blankly at a wall, I'm going to think he's possessed. (laughs) Thanks for that. You're welcome. Anyway. All right, well, if you refuse to uh, entertain my, my thought, I'll just sit over here and think about cat demons myself. Okay, after that completely irrelevant diversion to talk about stuff from last week's episode instead of this week's episode, 
Jamie, how would you rate episode 310, Dream a Little Dream of Me, out of five? I don't know. Because, like, honestly, as much as I love Bella, I don't know if I can justify giving it a decent score just because of Bella. Like, because there's a lot in this episode, right? It's not a bad episode. It's not going to get a two and a half or lower. I swear to God, it's okay, not. because I would cry. <laughs> it's not. But I just, I think it's like Faith. And okay. you were like, this episode slaps. And I'm sure it does with an extra 12 seasons worth of context. <laughs> However, I do not have 12 extra seasons worth of context. Or Dean Winchester brainworms. Or specific Dean Winchester brainworms. <laughs> Unlike yours truly. I think I'm going to give this episode a three and a half out of five. Okay. Not my favourite episode to watch. Mm-hmm. I do believe you when you say, like, there's a whole bunch of shit in here that's going to slap later on. Yeah. But I just, I'm not infected. But also there is Bella, so she gets, like... She's the point five. <laughs> no, she's the three. Oh. <laughs> the point five is the monologue where Dean's like, nah, fuck my father. Yeah, Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad at least that you rated that. How would you rate that monologue out of five? Oh, it's a solid, maybe four stars. Four, cool. it four stars, but it could go up to four and a half. Yeah, if the context does in fact make it slap. Okay, I understand your point. I adore this episode. I really do, and it's one of the hardest things. Like I love doing this with you. This pot is like fucking the highlight of my week, and it's been so much fun. But one of the hardest things is watching these episodes that I love and adore with my whole fucking heart and soul and you being like, I don't know, it was fine, I guess. It makes me want to scream. <laughs> yeah, I respect your rating. I there, Like I said, there are so many things in this episode where it's like, wow, that'll be helpful later. And we will come back to them over the seasons. Anyway... Next week, we are going to be talking about episode 11 of season three, which is called Mystery Spot. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams? So, straight up, I'm hoping that it's an episode that fucking slaps. Okay. Because I have to watch it twice. Okay. (laughs) We are recording with Abigail. Previously, the other Driver Picks the Podcast. Yeah. At this point, they've rebranded to... Saving People Queering Things. It's very exciting. Insanely good name. Although it's very sad that we're losing our name twin. So I'm hoping it's good because I have to watch it twice. I've heard that it's batshit bananas. Yeah. I, this is one that I've seen the name of previously. Well, obviously the Mystery Spotcast. Like The Mystery Spotcast. Also shout out to the Mystery Spotcast. Really chill people behind that one as well. Actually, the whole pod community is yeah. very chill. <laughs> Very fun, very cool people. But yes, so so your only your only thoughts about the mystery spot is that you hope it's good because you're gonna have to watch it twice, and also you know it because of the mystery spot cast. Yes. Okay. That's it. Maybe it's like the mystery spot. Maybe it's like a specific like spot or location or town or something where it's like I don't know. Time just stands still. Like, you go there and, like, no time passes and you walk out and at the same time that you walked in. Huh. That's interesting. So you mean, like, that, like, time relevant specifically or, like, it's just weird in that area and that's, like, an example of a thing that would be weird? Well, the way you said that... (laughs) No, I'm curious because, like, the mystery... Wibbly wobbly timey-wimey? Okay. The reason I ask is because mystery spot as a title doesn't jog any, like... References in regards to time to me. No, no, I didn't... Like, that was just the easiest reference... Like, the easiest thing I could think of. Oh, okay. Because, like... I thought you were going to go down, like, a Bermuda Triangle kind of route, and then you really took a 180 and surprised me, so I wanted to clarify. I mean, ultimately, it also could be a Bermuda Triangle sort of thing of, like, you go in there and you're, like, you're lost, you can never find your way out. Like, the labyrinth. Okay. Okay. You know, like, so you think it's basically a localised area where weird shit is happening, but specifically localised to that area. Yeah. Okay, and if you can, like, escape that area, then it just goes back to normal. Yeah. And it's called the mystery spot, because what happens there is a mystery. It's a mysterious spot on the map. So, like, maybe it's something funky with time. Okay. Maybe it's something funky with, like, location and, like, the geography randomly shifting yeah. and you can't find your like way Like physics. Physics. 
Yeah. Maybe it's like no one ever dies. Ooh. Like it's just a spot we seems like a too simple solution to Dean's problem if it's a <laughs> spot where no one can ever die. But like, you know what I mean? Like it's just like they, they realize there's, you know, this one town that's got a zero mortality rate. That would be interesting. And so they're trying to work out what the fuck it is. Like, oh, and then it brings up like the ethical conundrum of do they fix it? Turns out it's just an entire community of people possessed by demons. That's why none of them are ever dying. <laughs> it's, oh no, it's like a college town with all the crossroads demons. Or maybe you try to walk into the town and then you're suddenly in a different town, like on the other side of the country. Oh, so like not time travel, uh, teleportation. Yeah, like teleportation. Ooh. Yeah. So like you open a door expecting it to go from one room to another, but you end up in like a different building. But based on your reaction, I'm going to say timey-wibbly-wobbly, (laughs) timey-wibbly. Okay. Alrighty, so that is just about everything for today. If you want to interact with us any further, you can always find us on our socials. Jamie is always over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. I feel like I feel like it may not be inherently obvious how difficult it is to have these conversations with Jamie without spoiling things. I really hope it comes across on the chance it doesn't. I feel like it could be a fun challenge if anyone is interested in giving it a go. To try and explain to Jamie the mechanics of soul ownership in regards to, like, who owns it and how you could potentially maybe get it back if and when you were resurrected and all of these things. Try and do that without spoiling it for her. I, I, as a general challenge, see if you can do it. Because I've struggled. And I think it could be interesting. Whereas I just can't engage with anything Beth says ever at any time. Because she's got 12 years worth of... She said, and I quote, this will be relevant later, at least a dozen (laughs) times in this goddamn episode. So, I don't know, if you want to find her and talk to her about any of the dozen things that will be relevant later... It's not my fault that Sarah Gamble initiated her long con. It's not... (laughs) You didn't even realise there was a long con! (laughs) But you can find her over on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed and hopefully we will have you back again next week. Will that be relevant for later? (laughs) Fuck off. Bye. (laughs) Bye.